Welcome to the Hope Revolution messages. You'll be able to find our sermon podcast at hoperevolution.church forward slash sermon, as well as all other podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message. What an amazing God we serve. We continue in our series. We're going to be looking at one of the attributes of God that, that is very close to my heart, um, and that is God as Father. Now, when I first became a Christian, this concept was a bit weird for me. It was a bit strange. Let me paint a picture as to why. I was born 55 years ago on the 17th of July 1968 um, in South Africa. My accent does not give that away, but that's okay. And I was born into a family of... um, a mum, a dad, or a father, three older brothers. I have one half-sister who is my dad's first wife's daughter and grew up in a home with, yeah, I'm going to stop just there. I'm just going to say, if I'm sharing something today that triggers something inside of you, please do not walk out of this place without speaking to someone. I'm going to be very vulnerable now. I'm going to share things that are um, a bit testing for some people. And if it does trigger something in you, please don't leave without speaking to someone. That's really important. I grew up with an alcoholic father. Um, My earliest memories of my childhood is going to alcohol rehabilitation centres on a Sunday afternoon where my mum would sit and chat to my father and I was sat outside watching um, soccer happening on on a field um, which was next to the centre. My father was a difficult man in that he um, it was either his way or the highway. If you didn't see it his way, you learned to see it his way. I don't think my father wanted me as a child. I was a fourth child, his fifth child, and I don't think he wanted a fifth child. I never knew my father as dad. I knew him as Dennis. He was quite abusive towards my mother. I remember just hearing noises, smashes in the room, in the bedroom, where he would pick up ashtrays and things and hurl it at such pace that he'd shatter a mirror in the room or, yeah, just, just things you wouldn't want a child to hear. I remember my mum coming out once, crying, and I went and I said, Mum, why are you crying? She never cried after that. She used every ounce of effort in her body to protect us from my father. But she wasn't around all the time. And so sometimes we used to cop it. Um, (laughs) If my father wanted a cup of tea, he wouldn't get up and make himself a cup of tea. 
he'd get up and walk around the house until he found someone to go make him a cup of tea. I remember um, every year, twice a year, my father would go on holiday and he would take one of the brothers with him. He always said he didn't want to take me. On two occasions, my mother persuaded him that he had to take me. I remember the first time we took me down to Cape Town to go and visit his father. And we stayed in a hotel, or it was more an apartment. And I still remember very clearly, every day we'd go and visit a friend of his. He would sit and have tea with his friend. And I would go alone across the road to a putt-putt. Is it called putt-putt, yeah? Mini-golf, mini-golf. And I'd play alone and go back and sit in this room with him. The only positive thing I remember from that holiday with my dad was we went and had breakfast one morning in a restaurant. And we sat overlooking the beach. It was absolutely amazing. I still remember that very clearly. I can remember the restaurant as if it was yesterday. The second time he took me on holiday, he took me to go and visit his sister down in East London. We spent two weeks there. It was on that occasion that my father and my uncle and my second cousin sat in the room laughing while my aunt abused me. I've seen some terrible things happen around my father. Now this is not a, a time to come and vengeance my father and to, to, to slag him off to you. The reason why I'm telling you the story is because it is that picture of a father that I brought into my faith. Because when I became a Christian, people said you need to go and worship your heavenly father. And I thought about, man, how can I worship a father? How can they say he's a father of love? When my only example of a father is someone who rejected, abused, was self-righteous, was self-serving, was neglectful. If that's the father that I'm going to be worshipping, man, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And for many, many, many years, I refused to worship the Father God. As a Christian, I would always worship Jesus. Because I knew he died for my sins. The Father did nothing for me. Jesus died for me. And I had this misconception of what God or who God is as a father. Because I related him to the father I had here on earth. And it took me years of guilt. Of being told... I am sinful because I don't ask God for forgiveness. I remember uh, uh, in my early, early years of Christianity, I, I was chatting to someone about sin, and, and they said, you've got to repent to God. You've got to tell the Father your sin, things like that. And if you don't, you're going to go to hell because of your sin. I felt so guilty because I wasn't going to go and talk to a father because of the picture I had of a father in my head. And it took a long time for me to actually realize who our father is and what his heart is for us 
and how we can perceive God as a loving, caring, wanting relationship God that he is. And the passage of scripture we're going to look at today is, is one of the big ones that actually helped me in this process, helped me to, to realize just how much God actually does love me. And we're going to look at it in the kids' church format. I'm not going to read out the Bible because I haven't got my eyes and this print is too small. And as I said, this is just for show. So um, we're going to look at kids' church version of the, of the Bible story we're going to look at today. Isn't it awesome how that there is a sermon on its own? Did you know that God as Father is only in the Bible 15 times in the Old Testament? In the New Testament, it's over 165 times. The concept of God as Father. Jesus himself said to us, you need to go and call God Father. He told us that in, when he gave us the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your will be done, your kingdom come. This story is actually quite interesting. Jesus was actually, um, for those of you, so just for those of you who want to have the proper version and want to do the theological thing and read it in, in a Bible, especially the old King James or something, um, you can go to Luke chapter 15, it's in there, from about a verse 10 or 11, somewhere around there, and you can read the proper story. For the rest of us, um, let's, let's, let's open up the story and see what wealth is inside of it. Now, just to put the story into perspective, Jesus was actually talking to a bunch of Jews. Jewish tradition is, is quite interesting because you actually got to use that tradition when you actually understand the story. Jesus got the Jews' attention very quickly when he actually turned around and said to him, Hey, you know, um, he has this little kid, and this kid goes to his dad and says, Give me my share of my inheritance. Now, legally, in those days, it was a thing you could do. You could go and claim your inheritance because it was your legal right to have your inheritance. Today, we, <laughs> if your dad doesn't put you in the wall, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but in fact, in today, even today's society, some kids go and test the wall in courts because they feel they deserve more. But it was a major insult in the Jewish culture to go and wish your father dead so that you can get your portion of the inheritance. And so, of course... Automatically, when Jesus was telling the story, he got the Jews' attention, saying, this kid went, and he told Dad, give me my money, I want, I want to go. And then he goes off to the distant lands, and he goes and he swandles the money, he, he, he has parties and pays for ladies, and whatever else he did with the money, bought big teddy bears, and soon runs out of money. And so what he has to go and do is to go and find a job. And the only job he can get is at a pig farm. Now, much of, many of you know that um, Jews and pork and bacon don't go together. So if you um, like bacon on your burgers, have it when you haven't got Jewish friends around. But this was another major insult to, to, to the situation because young Jew boy over here now has to actually go and feed the bacon. And even more so, he actually wants to eat the food that the bacon's going to eat. And this caught the Jews' attention again. So he sits there, he stands there, oh, you know what, my father's servants are, um, 
are eating bread at home, I'm going to go home and I'm going to go and have some, some, some proper food. You know, yeah, I can work hard at home and I can, I can earn my living there better than what I can do here. So he recognises the fact that it's better to go home and, and, and he gets up and, and off he goes. And on the way, he's rehearsing this whole story of how, how he can ask his father forgiveness and say, hey, look, you know, I just want to be your servant. I want to be your slave. Um, you know, just please, you know, have mercy on me. And, 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 that. and when he gets too close to home, his father comes running out to him. And before he could even open his mouth, his father puts his arms around him and gives him the biggest hug and puts a ring on his finger, puts a brand new cloak on his back and throws him a party. Then his older brother hears a story. And he's been working so hard ever since his little brother left with all the money. He's been doing work in the fields. He's been tending the flocks. He's been doing what every good young boy did in those days, was to care for his father's lifestyle. And um, he gets wind of this, and, and he gets really upset. And, and he goes to his father, you know, what have you done? Now, for many of us, we've grown up in a church where they, they, they say that this is the story of the prodigal son. I want to change your minds about that today because I don't believe it's the story of the prodigal son. Because my heart says this is the story of the waiting father. You see, it took that young boy to realize that his ways are not his father's ways. It took that young boy to realize that the only way to get back into relationship was to acknowledge he has done something wrong, to acknowledge he squandered what his father had created as something beautiful for him. And so he had to turn his life around and to go back to dad. And the beautiful story, part of the story is, is that his father was there waiting every day. He's out there looking for him to see when he'd come home. And when he came home, he went and threw his arms around him and said, my boy, I love you. You are so much more important to me than that money you took from me. You're so much more important to me than the shame that was brought upon me when you did what you did and asked me to for your inheritance. You are so much more to me than anything else and I just want to celebrate you because you have come home. You know, so often we look at God in the way that I did when I was a kid or when I first became a Christian. I saw him as this authoritarian, whip-cracking, punishing Man standing up in heaven looking down on me. And I used to beat myself over the head all the time when I knew I'd sinned because I knew that God was going to punish me. And I'd sit there waiting for the punishment. And when something bad happened, I said, yep, yeah, that's it. That's the punishment I deserve. That's what God has done for me. He's, he's, he's punishing me because of X, Y, and Z. But that not, that's not God's heart for you. And it's a lesson I had to learn. God's heart is that he wants a relationship with you. He wants to have that one-on-one, -on -one close intimacy that there's no barriers that stop in it. 
And there's only one way to get that, is to recognize what we have done, to confess it, and to go back to him and say, here I am, I'm ready to be your servant. And he's going to embrace you and say, no, you're not going to be my servant, you're going to be my son. See, now there's a, a, a flip side to the coin, because um, the man in the story had two sons. And the second son is almost what I became once I'd recognized I'd gone past the first son. Because I had to earn God's right to have that friendship and that relationship. So anytime anybody asked me to do something at church, how I was doing it, I was up there. I would commit myself to leading this or doing that. When we are in the UK, I was so doing so much for God, it made me feel so good that I neglected my family. There'd be occasions where I had a church meeting or a church activity on every night of the week, Monday through Sunday. There'd be occasions when I'd have to tell my kids, listen, you can't talk to me now, I've got more important things to do. I've got God things. When we had people in our home. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn It's a lesson that the story tells us that God's heart for us is not about what we can do for him. His heart is about relationship. He wants us to have that personal, in-depth, meaningful, heart-to-heart relationship. There is nothing we can do that's going to draw us closer to God. Nothing we can do that's going to build that relationship up. Because if we are going to be misconceived as that more we do for God, the more he's going to love me, we don't know what God's love is because God's love is not conditional. And God's love is no more or less if we are doing things for him or if we're not. Now please, I don't want the deacons on my back. I live with one of them. Please don't stop doing things for the church because Peter said that that's not going to get me any closer to God. Because part of our worship is doing things for him. And that's because it comes out of a desire to serve him, not out of a desire to get closer to him because he's going to reward me for what I do. See, God's heart and God is, his deep heart for us is to be a dad. I remember watching one of the YouTubes and you know Steve Harvey is, is that American with moustache and that. And, 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 um, and he was, he, he, the show was about him interviewing kids, little kids that come and they sit and they chat to him. And he was chatting to this little girl and they said, no, and, and where's your parents? Ah, oh, they're sitting over there. He said, that man, that man's your father? And the little kid says, no, stupid, he's my dad. You see, she had that concept right. Because a father is just someone who gives birth to you. A dad is someone who has a relationship with you. And if we want to know God as a father, in the truest sense of the word, we need to learn to love him as a dad. Because that's who he wants to be to us. He wants us to be able to go to him with our problems. He wants us to be able to go to him with our exciting days. He wants us to be able to go to him when we need a hug. I can speak about that as a father. There's nothing more pleasurable for me 
is when my daughters are hurting and they can come to me for a hug. And I can just love them. I can just give them a piece of me that they can hold on to. And I'll put my hand up first. I've never been, I'm not the greatest father out there. I have screwed up so many times. I've given my kids so much crap. Oh, am I allowed to use the word crap in search church? (laughs) Oh, crap. (laughs) Too late now. (laughs) My kids deserve a better father than me. I'll I'll be the first to put my hand up and say that. I wanted to be the perfect dad. I so much wanted to. And then I became a dad and realized that's not possible. But our Father in Heaven is that perfect dad. And I want to say to you today, is if you do not know God as Father, if you are relating to God as a Father by virtue of what, how you saw your Father, and you need to see Him differently, please, please don't leave this building without knowing that difference. Don't go home with that burden of of, of seeing God as someone who is not. Because He loves you so, so deeply. He loves you so much. He cares about you so intimately. And He doesn't want you to suffer the knowledge that He isn't there for you. We have a good, good, good loving Father. He's a father that goes beyond a father. He's the father of all fathers. I want to say he's the mother of all fathers, but that doesn't work, does it? <laughs> and if I can encourage you today, God, our Father, is the dad that cares about your very every need. So if you hurt him somewhere, if you are having an amazing time somewhere, you can bring that to God. And the Father will be there to wrap your arms around you, to celebrate with you. But also He's going to celebrate when you do come to you, come to Him. You know, the passage just before the story actually says that there's a story about the lost coin. And the story goes that um, a lady loses a coin and, and he says, well, doesn't she sweep up the whole house and lift up everything, anything, until she finds a coin? And when she finds a coin, she celebrates. And in the same way, the Father, all the angels celebrate in heaven with the Father when someone who's lost comes back to him. Now, I know I'm speaking to mostly a bunch of converted people who've been in a faith for a long time. Yes, I believe that most of us have our salvation because we have given our lives to Christ. But there are areas in our lives where we are lost. The areas in our life where we, um, that we hold on to, but we shouldn't. And we are lost in those. And God wants us to be able to bring those things to Him and to be set free from them and to have that joyous, wonderful relationship and a party at the end of it all. I'm done. We have a good, good, good Father that cares about us so deeply, 
so much and so intimately that even the smallest things that we think are might be insignificant are big things for him because he knows they affect us. So once again, if something is spoken to you today about your relationship with your father and your relationship about your heavenly father, please don't don't go away without talking to someone. There'll be, I think, anyone in this building will probably would love to pray with you and to 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 get you to restore that relationship with your loving father. Our father cares about us. Our Father loves us. I can't say that enough. We're going to sing a song about our good, good Father. And, and, and when we sing the song, I don't want you just to sing the words because you know them. If you don't want to sing and just absorb the words, <laughs> that's okay. But we have a good, good Father who cares about us, loves us, and wants us to be in that relationship with Him. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at hello at hoperevolution.church.